That's the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your word. Make us better Christians. In your son's name, amen. Um, as you can tell, we got a bunch of different passages. I, I always like to have some reason why I'm doing something. And my wife, last night, we were sitting in the quiet of our lives, in the library, on a Saturday night, by ourselves. I was smoking a cigar and she was quilting. It was, it was domestic bliss. She was trying to make conversation with me, so she said, uh, have you been in any conversations that, this week that you could build a sermon off of? I had talked to John Hill about romance. Theoretically. <laughs> I had talked to Connor DeVries about some rabbi's view of the fall. It wasn't working, in other words. But then I got up this morning, and uh, my Bible happened to open to Acts 3. Who was I talking to about Acts 3? Somebody was talking to me about Acts 3. Which one of you? You're responsible to remember my life for me. Um, Acts 3, someone was saying something about, about, uh, silver and gold have I none. Was it you, Drew? Were you? What's it, John 3? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody was talking to me at John Whatever the case. I said, well, so I read through John 3. I mean, Acts 3. I need to be hospitalized, I think is that. And uh, I got down to the lower part of the page, the, the, the uh, uh, portion down verse 22 and following, where Moses is quoted out of Deuteronomy. <clears throat> And because it was out of Deuteronomy, and last week I was at Deuteronomy, there's a sort of a, a providential, if you believe in that, um, guidance. So I said, hmm, I'm going to follow this thread. I'm going to follow this thought. And then I was in, on, on, on Saturday, I was in a, getting my dad up, and uh, he sometimes likes to sit on the side of the bed and not go anywhere and pontificate. But he was pontificating, usually, usually for my benefit, but this was a situation where he couldn't remember something. And this was dis disturbing because he couldn't remember a verse in the Bible. And he's read the Bible through every year since the Naval Academy in the 50s, 40s, late 40s. And he mentioned the verse, and I couldn't remember where it was. So we, I had to get his concordance out for him. But it was a kind of a frustrating situation. All of that sort of tied together to make this, this sermon. In Acts 3, Peter is speaking. And he says, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet from your brethren as he raised me up. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. 
And it shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came afterwards also proclaimed these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God gave to your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your posterity shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you in turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now what he's referring to in Moses is out of Deuteronomy 18, which is Moses' prophecy of the prophet, capital P, not Muhammad, but it is actually the Christ, the Messiah. And the Jews were expecting the prophet to come. They had had numbers of prophets, but they expected the prophet to show up. We'll look at that passage in just a moment. But that passage that I was uh, trying to find with my father yesterday was the passage in uh, John 12 where um, uh, the voice speaks from heaven and the crowd goes, some people said it was thunder. What we're dealing with this morning is the, the idea of us listening to Christ. Do we? Do we have enough going on in our lives that we just account for Christ and religion and some sort of set it aside, it just fits sort of the background noise of our lives? Is it just thunder? We don't we don't hear Jesus Christ very often and that's what Peter is telling the audience here he says Moses said there was going to come a prophet to whom you must listen if you don't listen God's going to take it out on you you'll be destroyed from the people and you're in a situation where everything is comporting itself to the possibility of you hearing Because from Samuel down through the prophets, you are the sons of the prophets, the covenant, the blessing of Abraham, and in, in your posterity shall all the families of the earth be blessed. All of this is very similar to an American situation. Stop and think of it. It's not true in every part of America necessarily, but in this congregation or this town, we all know how to read. Probably a pretty unique practice in the history of the world. Educated in reading as well. Some of you have little glowing screens that you're tempted to be looking at right now in your pocket that carry on them all the history of the world. You carry more knowledge in your pocket that you can call up when you get bored with a sermon to play a game, which is probably what will end up happening, or uh, Look something up. I don't like what Evan said here. I'm going to look it up in Greek, you know. And you can do it. This is not a smartphone. This is a sort of pretend smartphone. It has a little pretend screen on it. It's a glorified flip phone. It's amazing what we have. We are like the Jews, in a sense. That you can walk into any town... And know that driving around it, no matter how small a town it is, you could spot the church buildings within a few minutes. 
let alone all the ones that don't look like churches. You could spot the church buildings. This looks like a church building. We have not been left without a prophet. We have not been left without the knowledge of God. We've been educated. It is so deeply ingrained in our culture that when you hit your thumb with a hammer, the name of our God is ready to our lips. It's Jesus Christ. You've got to pronounce it in syllables. Jesus Christ. He is everywhere you look. And that presence, and that presence, God had given to us as a prophet so that we would be blessed in turning from our wickedness. We don't always see it that way. It's one of the reasons we let the background noise cover up all of Christianity in our lives. We start to think it's just thunder. This is one more sermon that's going off into the void. Um, it'll still be on SoundCloud this later today. But nonetheless, I'm not conceited. I don't think maybe four or five people will listen to it online. But I, if you say, what, what is all this effort doing? Well, it's also a judgment. When God said to the Jews, I will send you a prophet, there was a reason. Let's look at the Deuteronomy 18 passage. It's the next passage down, Deuteronomy 18.15. This is Moses talking. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brethren. Him you shall heed, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said... Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. What's he referring to there? Referring back to Exodus 20, okay, this is right when the, the Decalogue is being handed down to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, right after the Ten Commandments here in Exodus 20. Now when all the people perceived the thunderings and lightnings, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will hear, but let not God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to prove you, that the fear of him may be before your eyes, that you may not sin. What happens, because we can't take the torque of God speaking his holiness to us. And there was this mountain shaking with flames of fire and, and noise and the voice of God. Didn't just go to Moses. It went to all the people of Israel for the Ten Commandments. And then everybody flips out and goes, uh, could you turn it back from 11, you know, down to about 2? Could you send somebody to inter seed for us and to you to us and for us to you. Moses, could you speak to us? We can take that. But in that, God says, okay, all right. I'll send you the message, but the hurdle becomes higher for you. When you hear someone, a guy, 
some Jewish carpenter in Palestine in the first century going, um, I'm God, which is a little, a little extreme. Listen to everything I say. How in the world would you, would you be one of the people that goes, yes, I've been waiting for God, and I expect Jewish carpenters to be, you know, up there at the God stakes. We like to confuse the sound we have, and then we ask, because it frightened us so much to be ir- ever want that in a witnessing opportunity? Could you just pray, if couldn't God just write it in the sky? The guy you're talking to, you know, say Corey, you're ministering to, and you say, and you say, you turn to Corey and say Corey, and then the heavens split open and the name Corey. Now gets his attention, but he doesn't like it because you know we would rather have the slight, with Elijah, the still small voice, the the intervening, intermediate reach to us. But believe me, this is approving of you. What you do with merely the words on a page that are the word of God. The voice of a Jewish teacher in the first century is it the word of God. What is it to you? Because, oh, you could walk away from that easily. You can say that is thunder. Because when thunder really happens, remember they perceived the thunderings and the lightnings and they didn't want any more of it. But we use it a lot to just cloud the, que- the question. You said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. They desired that of God. That's what they said. And then God says they have rightly said all that they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren. This is the Deuteronomy passage. I'll put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not give heed to my words which, I, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Some translations say I will punish him or take vengeance on him. I like the RSV because it's, it's kind of, uh, it's like a threatening, very not negative, I will require it of him. You ever have your dad come home after you did something bad and required an explanation? You know what the word required means to you then. God requires an explanation of what you do with you not being willing to have God directly in your life, hearing directly from God. So he puts this intervening thing and it proves you more that whether or not you want to shove it off into, um, what's the word, uh, insignificance with the other thunderings of life. Arrange it so it does not disturb you, does not interrupt what you're really listening to. Have you ever been in a conversation, and I've been in many, where somebody else is talking to somebody else in the room? and you're talking to somebody, and your ear starts to track on both conversations, and, you, and you, then you find yourself listening to the other conversation, and you don't really realize what the guy in front of you just said. 
and you're trying to figure out from his facial expressions, what was it? How do I say, yep, with whatever he said? And he just said, Nazism is great. Did you go, yep? But you didn't hear that because you were listening to the other conversation. We like in some ways that confusion because we don't really want to listen. You guys know yourselves. And then you say, Evan, you really think that, I mean, we come to your church, you're going to kick us down a flight of stairs this morning? Thank you very much. I'm saying this in general terms. So that if this is not a problem with you, you use it as a ministry to the believers for whom it is a problem. Or for the non-believers who do not know Jesus Christ. You use this and say, have you listened? Have you listened to what God has said in Christ? Christ is the answer. It's not a matter of Christian religion is the answer. It's not the Christians against the Muslims. It's Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the prophet. Now, that Acts passage, which quoted this portion that we just read out of Deuteronomy, made me think that that whole idea of the Christ coming to be heard, to be listened to, I wanted to John 3, and I don't know if this was because somebody mentioned John 3 to me, um, because this is later in the passage, this is John the Baptist speaking. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth, and of the earth he speaks. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears, he bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. He who receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for it is not by measure that he gives his spirit. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. It's the same idea that Moses threatened the Jews with and that Peter reminds the Jews of that everything is sitting in your benefit. You can hear God so easily. You don't want to hear him directly. It has been muffled or shrouded or delivered politely. You should have been ready for this. And it's going to matter to your eternal soul that you didn't want to hear when God dressed it up nicely. When God dressed it up with a few um, filters. But John the Baptist is bearing witness that Christ, who has come from the Father, he knows these things. He utters the words of God. Again, it's not because we're Christians and so Jesus is a big deal. It's because Jesus is God. It's because Jesus comes down to us from the Father. And it's not by measure that he gives his spirit. I mean, it's a, he's not... If you read the Gospels, we were talking, I was talking to somebody, God, I think, about the Gospel of John, and, and somebody else about the Gospel. Who else was I talking to about? I was in a lot of conversations this week. But John 
is this commentary on the life of Christ, whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke are sort of histories of his life and tell you all the different instances and his teachings in those instances, whereas John writes a commentary uh, of theology about the life of Christ. You can't read through the four Gospels and not be amazed, I mean flat out amazed. You might not agree with Jesus 100% of the time. You better, but you might not. But it's amazing. The ethical perception, the, the depth compared to anything else in human history. Hey, read what you want. You can read Freud, you can read Aristotle, you can read all sorts of smart people, and they're not even close. And it's not because I'm on that team. I like, I like Aristotle. I'm a fan of Aristotle. Aristotle over Socrates, by, by all means. I like some of the Stoics. I like some of uh, the existentialists, but not the, not the Frenchmen. There's nothing is like Christ. He utters the words of God. That's what the prophet came to do, remember? We don't want to hear the voice of God. I will raise a prophet like you from among their brethren. I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak all that I command. Remember that in Christ's life? So you've read it? He says, I speak nothing but what the Father tells me to say. He is the prophet. He is what is this buffered, condensed image of the word of God. Says that in the beginning of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what we're dealing with here. When you utter in Christ these words of God, Coming down from heaven, there was a, and I don't mean to insult anybody's intelligence here, but there was um, a movie and a book, Heaven is Real, and it was about a little kid, went to heaven, turned out to be a lie, I don't know if you knew that part, made it all up, made a movie about it before they found out he made it all up. Christians love it, running around. Ah, he came down from heaven. He told us what, what heaven looks like. And, the, and there was a pastor many years ago out of Boise, Reverend Buck, Roland Buck. Remember Roland Buck, Roy? Um, Angels on Assignment was the book he wrote. God had taken him to show him the, oddly enough, the uh, file cabinets in heaven where all the records were kept because, of course, computers weren't commonly known, and certainly heaven didn't have access to them, uh, but actual file cabinets. And, oh, boy, we, anybody tells us, they some new age loopy guy dies on the operating table, and he sees the light, and he goes to it, and all his friends around him, and, and there's, you know, Gandhi and everybody else, the Dalai Lama and Jesus all getting together, and Jimi Hendrix. Oh, him will believe. Those will believe. Make a movie out of that. God himself says, okay, I'm over centuries, over millennia, I'm going to plan to bring about how I can step into the human race 
and be spoken of back with Moses, spoken of with Abraham, hoped for. Everybody recognized there's this hidden thing that's coming, and there it comes. And Jesus Christ is standing on the ground, uttering the words of God. He's been given all things. He has. Not the theology of Christianity. Christ has. The church has not been given all the authority. Christ has. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life. Meditate on that a little bit about the believing and obeying being kind of the opposite points of that compass. This prophet can you imagine being on the far side of him coming where you were sitting around reading the Torah or whatever you were reading some special sacred book of your people and you became aware that there was this hidden expectation of a great person coming. And the more you read, the more it started to jump out at you that some great sorcerer wizard was coming. You'd end up, I hope, like Simeon in the temple, or Anna in the temple, waiting for the redemption of Israel. Are you the kind of person that is ready to hear far more from your God and not put it aside because of what you'd like to blend it in with the thunders, blend it in with the background noise, not admit what it's saying? Because as soon as you get there, as soon as, you, as soon as your life is put in this place, um, where you realize what God has done and the prophet has come and it is the Christ and what I do with his words is absolutely important to my eternal salvation. It's that, uh, if I had a smartphone, I might, and I would never do this. OMG, right? Does that mean oh my God, not something dirty? Oh my God. Anyway, Thomas, doubting Thomas, famous for doubting, but I wish he was more famous for him saying, my Lord and my God. When it's answered, it's my Lord and my God. When he sees the risen Christ, it's my Lord and my God. Believing Thomas. Are we there? Do we see what he's trying to say? Do you want to untie everything? Or will you get around to it after graduation? Or you get around to it after you, you know, settle into a few kids? Or you'll get around to it, you know, okay. Remember, this is to prove you. This is to prove you. This is to bless you. This is to turn you aside from your wicked ways. Yeah, that's, you, the, that's what you need to want. You want, you're, you're already being, you can't avoid the proving, okay? This is proving you either way. It answers who you are. You ever realize that when you're called upon in a moment where courage was necessary and you didn't have it? You can't change that. It proved you. It, 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 
can't change those rules. This proves you. But on the good side of the proof, if it is proving the right person in you, it is there to bless and turn you aside from your wickedness. It is to give you life. It is the realization, like with Thomas, my Lord and my God. Now, in a situation like this where we're saying, okay, the word becoming flesh, this is what the prophet was. He was a prophet like Moses because the people would not listen to God himself. And so we got the best of all possible worlds. The prophet was a man like us and was God himself. But he lived on this earth. We could kill him. And we did. It says in John 5, this, now by the time you get to John 5, here we have Christ teaching. The previous John passage was John the Baptist teaching. I could do nothing of my own authority. This is Christ. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I bear witness to myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness to me, and I know that the testimony which he bears to me is true. You sent to John. He's talking about John the Baptist in chapter 3. And he has borne witness to the truth. We just read in chapter 3. Not that the testimony which I receive is from man, but I say this, that you may be saved. Back at John 3. Listening to Christ, believing Christ is eternal life. It's a necessary thing. You've got to believe Jesus. You don't got to believe the Christian that's talking to you. And as good as you're me, a Christian talking to you, that's what we do with evangelism. You're not believing them, you're believing Jesus. Jesus is the one who promised you forgiveness of sins and life eternal. That's who you believe. Don't have your faith be even more buffered away from the truth of your God. You've got to deal with your God. You don't come to church and kind of believe the story they tell. That's not what belief is about. That puts another buffer between you and Jesus Christ. Don't believe in the faith I have. If I believe, and you go, oh, I think heaven really believes that. I trust him. Well, that, if I had a heaven to give you, I'd let you in. But I don't have a heaven to give you. Jesus has a heaven to give you. You've got to step past the man who is, or the woman that's testifying of the grace of God to you, so that you will turn to God over your shoulder and say, this is where... I believe or don't believe. What you do with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ says, I say this, that you may be saved. Verse 35, He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. I think it's uh, pretty obvious that people are religious, and we love running around after various bright lights on the religious map in history and in place. And some of them are bright lights. John really was a bright and shining lamp. And you and we could have gone, oh yeah, John the Baptist, I'm really into John. But the testimony which I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father has granted me to accomplish these very works which I am doing bear me witness that the Father has sent me. Now, 
Jesus Christ, I don't know if, how familiar you are with the Gospels, but would do stuff. Sometimes just because. Sometimes to people who didn't even seem to appreciate it. Remember those ten lepers? And he heals them. And one guy comes back, one guy comes back and thanks him. Standard ministry thing, situation. Here's God on earth, healing lepers of leprosy. Nine of them don't send a thank you note. What kind of people are we dealing with? Regular people. He heals that one guy at the pool of Bethsaida. The guy wasn't even asking to be healed. He was camped out by the pool, ready to jump in if the angel stirred the water. And to get healed, Jesus comes along, would you like to be healed? Uh, that's why I'm here. He goes, boink, you're healed. And the guy doesn't even know who healed him. He doesn't <laughs> Jesus was running around, sometimes on the top of bodies of water. Because he could. Making lunch for 5,000 people. You've made lunch for a number of people sometimes, if you're moms. Never 5,000. Wouldn't that be nice as a catering skill? Yes, I could take your order. Boom. Well, that was, people can't do that. He proved that he was from heaven by the works that he did. The Father who sent me has himself borne witness to me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he has sent. God has spoken. These are the people. A few chapters later in John 12. This is John 5. John 12. God speaks from heaven and says, This is my son. Listen to him. And you go, hmm. It was thunder. Some people will not hear. You have never heard it, even though God has borne witness to him. You haven't seen it, because you do not have his word abiding in you. What, what, do, we, what do we obscure this with? You, you, we ought to, all of us, be thinking in terms of how many filters or confusions do I keep afloat just in my life uh, my career my interests my family Jesus is warning you about all of those he says eh, if you love your family more than me you're not worthy of me if you don't do this if you don't do that you go hold it but I like the noise that that creates in my life I like the fact that Christianity has worked itself out to be one meeting once a week for a very short period of time and I could pick from a smorgasbord of churches so I could find the one that just only says things that just make me feel a little religious that's good enough you search the scriptures you ever think that some of the buffers we have against hearing Jesus Christ are the scriptures themselves because we turn them into ologies that you I was talking to somebody last week it was Greg Evans I remember who I was talking to at this point we were talking about eschatology and how the study of the end times is such a barrier to you understanding the blessed hope being with Christ eternally because we're all interested in the storyline that's really comic book you know, 
Whatever your storyline is, you got this great comic book image, you'd like to see a movie made out of it, so everybody could be excited about your view of how it happens. And of course it's going to be in your lifetime, because that'll be a lot more exciting. We take our study of the scriptures. You see Christians treating each other mercilessly over their view of something in the scriptures, saying, hold it. Just like the Jews, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. We can obscure the words of Christ. The Jews obscured the words of Moses and God's promise to Abraham and all the prophets pointing to this guy that was going to show up. He shows up and they kill him. Not because they didn't study the Bible enough. Don't think if you had another Bible study scheduled and you became more and more and more and more involved in your Bible reading and Bible memory. If you think that in them you have eternal life and not in the person of Jesus Christ, you err. You do not believe in him whom he has sent. It is there that they that bear witness to me, yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. Now, it's almost when you start listening to Christ, when you start saying to yourself, and I recommend that you t- take a, some time in your life to consider this question. Are you going to commit yourself to believing what Christ has revealed? You might not always understand it. I don't understand everything I run across in the scriptures. But whatever it does say, I believe. I might not know what it says yet, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to keep looking. Because I want to believe him. And I want to eliminate any belief in me that is counter what it says in the scriptures. Because he has come down from heaven. He has been born witness to. Thousands of years of human history has built up to this moment. And I have this opportunity in my life, short life though it is, to believe it, to come to him. But I know that you have not the love of God within you. Now, there's another passage in John 6 right after this. Don't have it here on the sheet it says uh, John 6 no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day as it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me Have you, have you been the kind of person for whom learning from the Father, hearing what the Father says, whether it's anything from nature to the revealed word of God, you're hearing what God has said. If you hear what God has said, you come to Christ. You see God speaking in the person of that man, that man who died and that man who was raised from the dead. If you do not have the love of God in you, you don't. It's there to prove you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. I made those me's red. It's not that way in the original. I get to play with this. 
Because I want you to say, this is not the Christian religion, this is not the church, this is Jesus Christ, him. Do you listen to him? And do you go looking for the parts in the Bible that God speaks in Christ? Where he says, I am not saying anything but the Father, God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, gave him to say. So when he says something you don't like, you're given the middle finger to God Almighty, who wanted you to hear that, and he's looking at you going, and you don't agree with me. Why? Because you're important? Because you really like her? What's the... You have to rewrite history because of what you like. You do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Oh yeah, you'll believe anybody else. Have you noticed it in the political threads? There are people who don't like Christianity. Because we have standards. You know, whatever your standards are about, especially, you might say, sexual roles and morality. Because some Christians have views that say, no, you don't do that. No, that's not actually marriage. No, this is, oh, how could you say that? But let, his, let Muhammad say it? Oh my gosh. There are displaced people. We have to find homes for them. We have to say nothing, nothing to blame Islam for a far more rigorous, you know, if you go to the, I think it's in the Book of Women and the Quran, I remember reading it years ago, uh, beat your wife. Just one of the parts of the things you get to do. I have considered it. But Leslie has never given me reason to beat her. She's perfect, perfect wife. But they, but nobody will say anything against that. Well, because anybody, anybody but, anybody but Jesus. Now, I don't know that that's a testimony that he's right, because it's anybody but Jesus. Because some people say anybody but Trump, and I don't want to think, you know, in sort of messianic concepts about him. Have you heard and learned from the Father? Do you have the love of God? Have you received Jesus Christ? Or do you receive everyone else? Do you try to construct, oh, I can't really believe the Bible because uh, it was all written by men. I remember talking to my father-in-law years ago. How he couldn't believe the Bible because it was all written by men. And then he started to tell me what he had read in a saga magazine, kind of a men's adventure magazine, which was obviously you know, BS, uh, a, a lying story of heroism. Believed every word of it. Believed absolutely this was true. People believe Reader's Digest. People believe some hippie at the co-op, no offense, telling them about something and adding dirt to their cookies and they think that something is, is uh, better for them because I'm a hippie and I said so. You see the guy, the guy with the red hair, the YouTube guy, who uh, always lecturing you about everything, how to intimidate people about coconut oil. Him, oh well, we'll believe that. We'll believe anything. Except he who came down from heaven. You can tell how it's a legitimate proof of who we are. How can you believe? who receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. 
It is Moses who accuses you, on whom you set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. And that's why I brought this passage up, because of the Acts, Deuteronomy that was quoted, and Christ coming back to him and said, he wrote of me directly as the prophet who'd come from God to prove you. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my works? This is the litmus test. This is the thing that you get dumped in. Do you believe the prophets of God? Do you believe Moses? Do you believe the writings of scripture? Do you believe what happened in history? Do you believe this? If you don't believe part of it, you probably won't believe in Christ. You won't be able to get there. You'll just be liking some of the things. Kind of do a Thomas Jefferson on it. I have a copy of the Jefferson Bible, which is a treat. It's really short. Because Thomas didn't like magic. And so he trimmed out all the, what he considered, unbelievable aspects of the life. So it's all just the, you know, the warm Confucian platitudes that Jesus is saying. All that, love your enemies. Which is good, true. Everybody goes, yeah, that's nice. Let's not say anything about him being God. How will you believe his words? Because when you select which of Christ's words you will believe, who are you believing? You're believing you. Because if Jesus doesn't fit what you want to be and consider life to be like, he will get eliminated. Whose words get eliminated in your deal? Do yours get eliminated because you're a tool? Or does God get eliminated because you're a tool? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful that your son has come to us thousands of years ago, but here we still sit meditating on his teaching, wanting to know what you think so that we might believe and follow. Give us the courage and the understanding to do that, Lord, and the grace that we can hear you in the midst of all this thunder. In your son's name, amen.